WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latte from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is all of it. I'm Allison Stewart. The Oscars are this weekend, and the odds makers have thoughts, including that everything, everywhere, all at once is looking good to take home a number of awards. Before the break, we heard from Shirley Carrada, the film's costume designer, costume designer, who is nominated. And now we'll turn to everything, everywhere's villain named Joy, played by Broadway star Stephanie Hsu, who's nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Hsu's character is the daughter of Michelle Yeoh's Evelyn and Kiwe Kwan's Waymond. Joy and her mother have a rocky relationship, and Evelyn has trouble accepting Joy's non-Chinese girlfriend. Here's a clip from the film in which Joy confronts Evelyn. Mom! Just stop! Good for you, you're figuring your shit out. That's great. I'm really, really happy for you. But I'm tired. I don't want to hurt anymore, and for some reason when I'm with you, it just... It just hurts the both of us. If you haven't seen Everything Everywhere All at Once, first, what are you doing? And second, it's now available to stream on HBO Max, so make a plan and watch it before the Oscars this weekend. And third, consider this a spoiler alert, although you probably know this information already. Okay, so after that exchange between Joy and her mother, in another part of the multiverse, another version of Joy has been pushed to her emotional and existential limit and threatens to destroy every version of Earth. That version of Joy, also played by Stephanie Hsu, is called Jobu Tupaki, and she's an interdimensional villain whose nihilism drives her to end the existence of all things by sucking them into a bagel-shaped void. Since its spring release, Everything Everywhere All at Once has grossed more than $70 million in the U.S. and over $100 million globally, which is a rare feat for a non-franchise movie that doesn't have Marvel in its name. Stephanie Hsu, she's a triple threat. Stage, screen, and TV. Theater fans know her from her run on Broadway in Be More Chill and SpongeBob SquarePants, as well as on screen in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She joined me back in December to talk about her role as Joy in the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I started by asking her when she realized that the film was going to be a really big deal. Oh, you know, it's so funny. I always tell this story about um, when we were filming. We, we filmed this movie in 2020, so it's been mm-hmm. the longest journey. Um, right up until the pandemic. And I, this was my first 
feature. And I remember one day on set walking up to Dan Kwan and saying, you know, Dan, this movie, it's going to bring people back to the theaters. (laughs) I just know it. And this was pre-COVID. You know, I knew nothing. I had no concept of what a box office was, really. Mm -hmm. But I knew that this movie had the scope and the scale to be something very special that you would want to behold in a theater and bring your loved ones. And it has completely exceeded all of our expectations, of course. But I think the truth is that our secret motive was always to make a movie in our wildest dreams to make a movie that could be as explosive and touch people so deeply. Mm-hmm. You said the, the Dan, you just sort of threw that off. Yes. You, you've worked with them before. Daniel Scheinart and Daniel Kwan. They're known as the Daniels for everybody. Um, uh, on a TV show on Aquafina is Nora from Queens. And then they rang you up about the role. What was that drew you in about the way that the Daniels work? Mm, They are love bugs, first of all. They just love having fun. They're silly. They are not afraid to make fun of themselves. They don't take things too seriously, but at the same time really value the art form and Mm. the craft and are incredible technicians. Um, The moment that I knew they were brilliant, we were filming a scene where Harry Shum Jr., who plays Rakakuni and Everything Everywhere, Harry Shum Jr. was also in that episode of Nora from Queens. (laughs) And they had, you know, that budget was basically non-existent. And they had to shoot the scene where Harry was going to get hit by a piano that falls out of a third-story apartment building. Mm -hmm. And you know, on a budget like that, how are you going to make an actual piano fall on one of your actors, let alone safety hazard? Hello. (laughs) But what the Daniels did was they made a really tiny piano puppet and they dropped it in front of the lens of the camera. So they worked with depth depth perception. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment where I was like, these two dum-dums who I love so deeply are actually brilliant and understand how the camera works. And their intention with art is to do the best they can to make the world hopefully a little bit of a better place with every swing that they take. Mm -hmm. So I think all our value systems just really aligned immediately. When you read Joy's part, what did you tap into immediately? And then what was something that was a little bit of a bigger stretch for you creatively? Mm. You know, as a testament to them, the script made really a lot of sense to me, actually. And to me, the center of the story is kind of the clip that y'all just heard, which is the end, right? It's the mother-daughter story. It's finally about a family, a relationship. Mm -hmm. Something I've always been a huge fan of sort of slice of life stories that then become, then ask very existentialist questions. Eternal Sunshine was one of my favorite Mm -hmm. movies growing up. So there's something in the fabric of that that really made sense to me. I think a stretch was to play a villain and to play a villain as a female and wanting it to make it sort of all hang out in a way that is grotesque even Mm -hmm. and wild at times that we're not used to seeing. Um, Though I in my daily life and in my artistic practice have no fear of that, it's very vulnerable, it turns out, to do it publicly and then having it cemented in a form that you can watch at any moment, mm-hmm. at any time for the rest of eternity. So that, I think, was the the biggest journey or the biggest sort of um, challenge and uh, place that I wanted to both push myself and felt myself needing to really 
gather all of my courage to be fearless mm-hmm. in the villain's chaos. That's an interesting way to think about rage as an expression mm. of vulnerability. Mm. Right? Totally. Totally. And also being so powerful that, you know, when you think of characters like the Joker, where they get to just unleash chaos all the time. But historically, what we see are not necessarily women getting to Mm -hmm. do that. Um, Yeah. It was interesting. We were talking about Black Panther Mm. a week or so ago and the the two villains in Black Panther. At some point, you think, well, they do have a point. Yeah, totally. (laughs) You know, and, and someone who is a villain thinks they're doing what they need to do. Totally. I think the best villains in cinema are ones that have a very strong philosophical core that actually on a good day, you might be like, I really get that. Actually, (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're onto something. But just maybe one wire crosses and it completely unleashes um, anger or evil or or sadness. Mm -hmm. So what is that philosophy for joy? Nihilism. We talked a lot Mm -hmm. about nihilism, this concept that nothing matters. One of my favorite lines that got cut from the movie, that was a Jobu line that felt like the sort of heart of that character, was um, there's no wrong, there's no right, only wronged. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, I think... The two characters, the daughter and mm-hmm. the villain, they share a very same core of nihilism. One person, if nothing matters, that can be very depressive and lead to helplessness, helplessness, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, I think a lot of us have felt that before of just in the chaos of our contemporary life, how do you continue or how do you make sense of it all? And on the other hand of that same philosophical core Jobu, the villain, um, if nothing matters, then I can take this mic and explode it into a pancake and eat it. Watch me, you know? (laughs) And while we were filming something I sort of pondered and sort of delighted in was that I I told the Daniels that nihilism in some ways, I feel like liberated me, kind of saved me Hmm. because it took a lot of the preciousness out of everything that we do without taking out the meaning. You know, like, if nothing matters, then all of us are just trying our very best Mm -hmm. to figure it out. On a much more fun note. Sure, I know, I like to go there. (laughs) I followed you there. I sat with you there. Now we're going to make a little bit of a right turn towards Elvis costume. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You You have some amazing, amazing costuming in this movie uh what was one look that really helped you or that you just delighted in i mean the elvis costume is pretty juicy um my favorite story i like to tell is that i you know yeah so for listeners spoiler alert comes out in elvis costume walking a pig that's the grand entrance for this (laughs) villain smoking a cig and I, you know, a lot of people for Halloween have dressed up as Jobu Tupaki. And my favorite nugget is that, you know, in cinema or you know, you see villains or cool people and they're smoking a cigarette. It's hanging out the side of their mouth. It's very suave. But Jobu is as scary as she is completely apathetic and therefore idiotic. 
And so I was like, instead of doing that sort of trope of the cigarette out the side of the mouth, it'd be so fun to just stick it in the center because that's so <laughs> dumb. And so many people for Halloween dressed up as the Jobu Elvis and stuck the cigarette intentionally in the middle. I felt very uh, affirmed. <laughs> felt very seen. Goes without saying, this is an important film because of the cast, entirely Asian cast in terms of representation. Uh, just what went through your mind when you first, at, when you realized, oh man, this is going to be a breakthrough film? Mm. You know what's so funny in terms of just the the cast and this Asian family is that we we actually didn't talk about it. We we kind of cool. just fell, yeah, that's, we fell into family. It's kind of what you want, really. Totally. I mean, and that's my favorite thing about this movie is that it somehow is about so much that it transcends identity politics, mm-hmm. but it is very critical to recognize that it is around an immigrant Chinese family, but it is also just about a family. But it was really amazing to get to just speak Mandarin, Cantonese, English, and kind of share foods that we all love that no one else usually knows about um, while we were on set. Um, yeah, it was that was really special. We had uh, your co-stars on Kiwei Kwan and James Hong to talk about <laughs> their own experiences as Asian actors in Hollywood. It was only part of the conversation. But I want to play part of an answer from Key from that interview. We we had a lot of a uh, 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 really interesting conversation on set, mm-hmm. and 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 you know James when he started out in the fifties you know it was really tough, and when I started out in the eighties uh, it was tough, and uh, and he said he waited seventy years and I waited thirty five years mm-hmm. for this movie to come along. So it's it's a really special movie for us. And it's interesting because mm-hmm. I mean you're the next generation yeah. of of actors. How, what did it mean to you? to be part of this new generation? Maybe the idea that it's not as big a deal is progress is? Well, to be honest, I think I am just coming to terms with it myself mm-hmm. in the sense of, you know, I am a part of the next generation after Key and James, but I also, um, when I first started acting in college or high school mm-hmm. or anything, when I first exited college, there was nobody who looked like me. I mean, I went to acting school, but there were maybe five people of color Mm -hmm. in the whole department. And that is the environment that I was coming up in. And then when I was on broad, I never saw myself on Broadway because I was like, well, I don't think I'm, you know, Miss Saigon material. So I, I don't think I'll ever get there. I just didn't even have it on my radar. And And the idea that also there'd be one role you could play, right? Exactly. And you that could play in big gigantic air quotes. Totally. (laughs) And I, you know, we just had the Gotham awards and I, was so surprised that I was so emotional because honestly, as it was happening, when Kiwan, I just, I stood up so fast, I almost passed out. I just immediately started crying. And then when we won, I think I just couldn't stop because I realized how, how much I have blocked myself out of even ever getting to see myself being celebrated for anything in the arts Mm -hmm. because I never saw that growing up. You know, I watched every award show with myself. My family did not care, (laughs) but I didn't even know how much I wasn't seeing myself. So I feel very lucky that I get to be a part of making more space, Um, Mm -hmm. not only with this, but with Maisel and on Broadway. I feel like I'm one of the people who I didn't get to see growing up. And these opportunities that I'm getting are also 
doing um, healing on me. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the biggest cliche ever, but it's really important that if you can see it, you can be it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And sometimes you don't realize until later on, wow, I, I, I never saw myself. I yeah. never... Which meant I didn't even know I could try. Totally. I feel like I'm having dreams for the first time. I've never had dreams Mm career-wise. I've done really well. I've worked a lot immediately after school. Downtown Theater, Broadway was an accident, but it happened. And Mm -hmm. I feel, I know, right? Broadway was an accident, but it happened. (laughs) Um, But I feel for the first time that I'm really giving myself space to dream up what's possible for me in this life in the arts. You have a great sense of humor about yourself. <laughs> On your Instagram, when you want, you talk about crying, oh, yeah. you, you blew up a picture of yourself about, <laughs> I'm bringing the ugly cry back. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, you know, Instagram's weird. And I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure it out, but it is, you know, you got to make fun of yourself a little bit. Also, I was really ugly crying. Like, there are <laughs> really some stills of me out there that I'm like, wow, girl, okay. <laughs> Well, it's so funny that you mentioned that you were on Broadway by accident. Um, Be More Chill was one of those one of those cases of a show where people who didn't feel seen saw it, made the soundtrack go viral. Totally. Right. Started at Two Rivers, which is a great theater, totally. started in New Jersey, came here. Um, when did you I'm just curious if you ran into somebody who said, you know, Be More Chill changed my life. I know that sounds like a, a hyperbole, but theater does do that for kids. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I've even been meeting people this year who've seen everything everywhere and they'll say, and you know, also, I just want you to know that I saw Be More Chill six times when I was on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And those people, those young people are actually kind of the age group now that would also become of become the cult following for everything everywhere. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Uh And so uh, it's been really beautiful to see how many people felt changed by the theater. Um, it does. I, I have a theory. It's because of the biomimicry that happens in actual space where mm-hmm. the energy re- the energy transfer is happening in real time. Oh, that's for real. A hundred percent. Theater is one set of muscles. Yes. Film is a different set of muscles. Yeah. What muscles did you develop as a film actor and also yeah. a action film actor? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, first I have to say theater muscles are the the toughest muscles to build. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Doing eight shows a week, singing, dancing, talking, press on top of that. That kicked my butt and made me strong and resilient and disciplined in a way I'm forever grateful for. I think that actually prepared me for film. And what I love about film more than TV, I think, even though I love TV as, mm. as well, is that film is a complete story. My dramaturgical nerd theater side loves it. I love knowing the beginning, middle, and end so you know how to craft a story. And with everything everywhere, for example, I knew how wild Jobu was going to get. So I had the permission to take joy as small and as sort Mm. of unassuming as possible because I could see the whole story, the shape of the story. So I think film... I describe the experience as having a little fanny pack full of goodies that you keep acquiring throughout the process of filming, even if it's out of order, and you start to kind of get to um, sprinkle in all that you're discovering along the way and um, weave it into the tapestry of what you're collectively building together. Is there anything from the film experience, the TV experience that you think would aid you next time you're on stage? 
would age me. Aid. 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 Help. I'm like, age? <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think I, the intimacy of the camera mm-hmm. and the simplicity that it allows for is something that I feel interested in weaving into theater. It's hard when you're thinking about the back of the, you know, mm-hmm. the audience, but I I like space for quiet, even if it's energetical quiet. Mm-hmm. That was my conversation with Stephanie Shu, who plays the interdimensional supervillain, the hero's daughter, Joy Wang. Her performance as Joy in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once earned her a Best Supporting Actress nomination for the Oscars, which are this weekend. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off.